Oh, welcome to the Leaf and Barrel Podcast. My name is Scott. My name is Tim. I'm John. Woo! <laughs> and thank you for joining us this week. So, John, uh, what are we smoking this week? Uh, this week, we were smoking again the Monte by Monte Cristo. It was five and a half inches long, and the ring gauge was 48. So, pretty typical average size for a cigar. But right. this time, we weren't smoking outside. We were smoking indoors. And, Tim, we were drinking something different. Yes, we were drinking something different. Today we had Basil Hayden Bourbon Whiskey. It's a light-bodied, Jim Beam calls it their lightest body, uh, and that makes sense. It was a very light whiskey. There wasn't a ton going on with it, so. Yeah, even even like me, I didn't try it, but I took a, a whiff of it when he first opened up that bottle and had that nice little pop when you pop that cork out. Uh, <laughs> that is such a satisfying sound. It is, uh but even even the smell right off the bat, like I could tell, it was a, a really light whiskey. It didn't have a, a really overpowering smell or anything. You know, just floral. Yep. Yeah. That's that's floral about the right. And sweet. De- yep. yep. That's yes. about the right decision for that. Scott, what did you drink tonight? So uh, my local liquor store had uh, sent out a Facebook post this week that they had gotten a a new beer in by a semi-local brewery. That's in Wisconsin. Yeah, it's La Crosse, Wisconsin, Pearl Street Brewery, and they have come out with a a beer called Shitty Light Beer. The name popped out so much, I was like, I got to give it a try. What's the worst that can happen? You drink a shitty beer. It lives up to its name and it's a shitty light beer, or it's actually just kind of good. So I figured I'd give it a shot. Yeah, I get that. I totally understand. So what were your initial takes on the cigar tonight? Uh, Tim, I'll let you take that one. Because we did do this cigar last episode as well. Yep, the Monte by Monte Cristo was last week's cigar as well. It and was just to recap, Tim. You said that you didn't necessarily enjoy it as much because it was a flavor cartwheel, and it, the flavors were constantly changing, and there was almost too much to try and decipher out of the cigar. Yeah, I was. I was actually a little rude to the cigar. I called it pretentious. I was a little bit mean, and I think that boiled down to our smoking situation because we did smoke it outside, and unfortunately, that can lead to. A pretty big variance in the burn rate and the heat, and that can alter it, as I noticed this week. Because Yeah, last week was outside, and it was kind of windy, Yep. which means your cigar is going to burn a little hotter because there's constantly breeze blowing on it. Yep, yep. So this week was a much better experience. Right off the bat, it had a bit of pepper to it, a little chocolatey, creamy, a very smooth, subtle flavor. Right away, I knew what it was. There was no digging around for different flavors, and that it, you know, being inside, I think, made a huge difference in the consistency of the smoke. And you could tell e- immediately that it it changed. That I feel a little bad about my rating last week because it it wasn't the cigar's fault. It was a much better smoke this time. And yeah, at the very beginning, chocolate, little cream, little bit of like a little bit of pepper. It wasn't crazy strong. And just a small hint of, like, nut on the very front or back end. I mean, that goes back to, you know, maybe try everything a couple of times. Just because you have it one time and it's really good, the next time might be totally different for you. And the third time could be even different again. Like, cigars are, most of them are hand-rolled, as we've said. Yeah. You know, they can change. Not everything is 100% consistent from cigar to cigar. Yeah, so that that was kind of my take on it. The very first couple of drags, it's just a very creamy, very smooth smoke. Yeah, absolutely. I would 100% agree with all of everything that you just said. Um, when it starts off, it's very rich, chocolatey, very smooth, and mellow smoke. Um, I made the comment before that this is the perfect cigar to have after a really good steak dinner. And yeah. it, it's a great dessert, or it's dessert smoke, absolutely. Rich is, rich is the perfect word for it. 
Yeah. And then when we continued on with the uh, the smoke, we didn't have that cartwheeling of flavors experience. Because nope. I, I completely agree with you last week. Um, it was constantly changing. It was really hard to, yeah, yeah, at one point it's chocolate. Okay, now it's nut. Now it's pepper. And it, it blended much better when we, out, say, in a controlled environment for the cigar to burn properly and smoke properly, which was really, really nice. Yeah, it was a much better experience. Yeah, last week you said every drag was different flavors. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. and it just was. It was it was tough to pin anything down. It was a really, it was a struggle to really, it was a struggle to enjoy. So the whiskey, what do we think of the whiskey? It's a good whiskey. The Basil Hayden is a strong whiskey. It's a good, it, I'm sorry, strong. It's, it's not strong. No, it's it's a good contender. It's it's a good quality whiskey, but it is definitely the the lightest whiskey I think I've ever had. It, uh, even compared to, well, we didn't do those on the podcast, but uh, some of the Japanese whiskeys that were super light. Yes. Yeah, it's got to be in the ballpark, if not even slightly lighter than those. Yeah, the Japanese whiskeys had more of a taste to it, and you still, you had a really nice floral aroma to it and almost a floral taste, which might sound a little silly. Uh, but there was something to that whiskey in terms of taste. Um, it had a little more depth, even yeah. though it was still light, where these are just, or this whiskey was just light. Yeah, no, I mean, this was uh, very easy to sip, and there was really no burn to it, but there wasn't a whole lot of flavor that went along with it. It's uh-huh. like... All right, I'm I'm drinking a whiskey here, but I really can't pull anything out of it. Yeah, I I struggle to give like an actual flavor profile on this because it is so light that it's the astringency almost kind of just takes over most of the flavor profile, but the astringency isn't terrible. It's not like something like, you know, like a Kessler's like a like a really cheap cheap whiskey where all you taste is alcohol. It you taste the alcohol and it kind of takes over the profile, but it's not bad. It's still a very good quality whiskey. I did notice that uh, you've cracked open your fourth beer, so you can't <laughs> be hating them. Uh, what what do you what do you feel about it with your shitty light beer? L Y T E. Yeah, it, light. It, it, <laughs> shitty is spelled how you would spell shitty, but light is L Y T E. Um, it's a decent beer, like, and their description of. You know, shitty light beer. It, it's it's a light beer. It's not strong. It's not really anything. It's it's a light beer. It's it's decent. It's smooth. It's crisp. Yeah. I mean, there's. I mean, it's not like a tart beer or anything like that. But it's just it's nice and crisp. There's really not a lot of flavor to it at all. It's it's drinking watered down beer. I mean, that's light beer in general. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like, it's just it's nice. It's just a nice light beer, something you could just sit back and you could drink the entire night if you really wanted to because it's not filling even. Yeah. Or just pound to get drunk. Now, is this in the price range to pound and get drunk? I know in the past you've you've brought in some higher-priced beers. Um, if you're a college kid, you know, short on funds. I mean, this isn't like a keg of Natty Ice here. We're, it's, we're not that cheap. But it was, I think I paid 10.01 with tax even for a six pack. So it's not ridiculous. No, that's not terrible. That's better than bar prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is. That's better than bar prices. So, so I mean, it, it as far as price goes, yeah, it was decent price. It's good beer. Like I said, I'm not getting any kind of gut rot out of it. I'm not, you know, I'm not getting full. I mean, and I slammed those first three pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, yeah you put them down. Yep. So would you buy it again? Would this be a repeat purchase? Honestly, I would drink this again. I would have no issue with drinking this again. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have it, being as it is a 
craft beer, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Because it is from a craft brewery. Yep. You know, it's probably not going to be something that you easily find everywhere unless you're in Wisconsin. Yep. And even closer to the lacrosse area where they brew it. Uh, so who's who's that by? Uh, Pearl Street Brewery. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You said that. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, they have some really solid beers in their collection. This is the first one I've had by them. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, even the the guy working at my local liquor store yeah. where I bought it, he even asked me, he's like, hey, if you stop back here, let me know how that is because I'm kind of curious how it actually tastes. Yeah. So but, that's, it is a light beer. Uh, that's a... It lives up to its name, minus the fact that I don't think it's shitty. Yeah. I, I think it's actually just... A solid light beer. It's it's a you said it was a, a light lager though, right? And I know most people are pretty familiar with like pilsners because Bud Light and Miller Light and things like those are labeled as pilsners. Yep, so yep. like what? I guess what kind of makes the difference here? Like what makes a lager a lager versus a pilsner? Well, a pilsner is a type of lager. So oh, okay, uh, yeah. yep, yep. It's it's just a different type of lager. Okay. Uh, so most people like I guess. The main question there would be, what's the difference between, like, an ale and a lager? Oh, okay. So, okay. Uh, So, the difference between them, basically, the only difference is the type of yeast that is used. Otherwise, they have a lot of similar flavors, and the colors are tend to be really close. Mm -hmm. Your ales tend to be a little more fruitier than your lagers. Okay. And a lot of that has to do, like I said, with the type of yeast because your yeah. your ale uses a top fermenting yeast. Okay. And your lagers use a bottom fermenting yeast, which basically just means that the yeast ends up at the bottom of the fermentation barrel versus floating on top of the beer. So when it's floating right. on top, it can kind of pick up other flavors that are in the environment, which is why they can pull out like some fruitier flavors. Okay, yeah. Uh, whereas if it's at the bottom of the barrel, it's not really picking up any additional flavors except yeah. what's in the mash when yeah. they're brewing it. Okay, all right. That's a, like I, I did not know there were two types of yeast. Or, or uh, there's I, actually I, way more than two. Yeah, types I didn't of know yeast. that there like a ton of types. Like I didn't even realize that you could get kinds that floated at the top versus hanging out at the bottom. So yep, yep. that's the right. main difference between your your ale and your lagers. All right, that's pretty fucking interesting. Uh, with the taking a step from that, and you know, talking about like history and differences, uh, our our cigar that is sure. by Monte Cristo. Yep. Uh, where where are they based? Right now, uh, they are mostly based out of the Dominican Republic. Uh, okay. So they were uh, they started off in 1935. Oh, all right. Actually, the Monte Cristo Number no. Two, their torpedo, is the most renowned or most well-known cigar in the world okay uh so it's a very famous wow. cigar yeah so if you ask for a monte cristo number two everyone pretty much knows what you're talking about what you're smoking and it's more of a milder cigar uh then for any history buffs out there uh cuba had this thing where they decided to change over their governments and there was a big embargo that eventually happened with the united states uh, so it was actually a really good thing for cigar companies long-term. Short-term, it really hurt because we couldn't buy any cigars from Cuba. And that's yeah, where sure. you have this idea that all the good cigars come from Cuba. Yeah. Well, if you all of a sudden take that out of the equation, it's like, oh, crap, where am I going to get my cigars? Mm-hmm. And cigar companies didn't want to lose money because they want to, like, hey, America, yeah. they have lots <laughs> of money. They're really good at spending money. We're, we're pretty Fuck, good. Fuck, we spend money that we don't even have. That's true. So yeah. 
they started to branch out and go to different parts of the world where they could grow the, the tobacco. So you have places like the Dominican Republic that became very popular for cigar companies. And, oh, that, no. and very similar environments. I mean, Absolutely, absolutely. And if you have a government that's going to allow you to flourish, that's – you know, that's a win-win for everyone there. Sure. Uh, so the Dominican Republic has become a huge place for cigars. Now, does Cuba still put out really good cigars? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, thanks to the Obama administration and trying to opening up ties with Cuba, it is a little easier to get Cuban cigars. Uh, for anyone interested, you can still, you can now go to Canada or Mexico or even Cuba Buy cigars, you no longer have to hide them. You can actually bring them back into the United States legally. Yeah, I, the the embargo hasn't been completely lifted, right? Correct. Yeah. The it's it's really silly in how they do cigars. So as long as you bring back cigars that are for recreational use, there's oh, you can't resell. There's no number of what they consider to be recreational. It just has to be reasonable, whatever that means. Yeah. But you cannot legally sell a Cuban cigar in the United States. But if you bring them back yourselves, there's no problem. Okay. Okay. So if you go to Canada, pick up some Cuban cigars because they don't have that embargo, no problems anymore. Yeah. All right. All right. That's pretty interesting. And yeah, they've got almost 100 years. That's that's a pretty big tenure. Yes. Yes. And they're, they actually came up with the idea from the Alexander Dumas novel, The Count of Monte Cristo. That's pretty cool. Yeah. The Monte by Monte Cristo was a little bit different, though, uh, because they want to go with a little stronger of the cigar. So they, they typically hang out with the more of the, the mild and medium cigars, which yeah. is it's kind of odd when you think about it. You know, most cigar aficionados like, oh, yeah, we got to go full body, full body, full body. Yeah, I want that big heavy hitter. Yep. Yeah. And Monte Cristo is like, no, here's just a really good medium mild cigar. Have yep. at it. And it's, again, it's the most recognized cigar. So just because it's a medium or mild cigar, just don't put your nose up to it because you yeah, could have a really good smoke. Obviously, yeah. they're doing something right. <laughs> the, yeah, I, I would say so. Monte Cristo is doing all right for themselves. Yeah, yeah they're not they're not in a bad place. <laughs> Tim, both when, when we lit up our cigars, it started off as a very mild cigar. And it was yeah. it was. You know, that strong chocolate taste that yep. was very creamy, little nutty, a little bit of pepper on the back end, which was surprising that it wasn't really overpowering. Yeah, it was, it was a very subtle pepper flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we got to that last third of the cigar. And Tim, why don't you explain what you experienced with that cigar since you were you kind of shat all over that cigar <laughs> last week. I was so th- n- this is your redemption time. <laughs> I was not nice to that cigar last week, and it wasn't fair. As we progressed through the cigar... That chocolate and the creaminess kind of faded out, and about halfway, it started to make this transition from that that medium into a very strong medium full. It kind of lost a lot of its flavors. It moved into a very woodsy cigar for probably about a quarter, and then after that, it really developed into one of the strongest finishes I've ever experienced in a cigar. It became buttery. It had a kind of like bitter butter taste to it. Uh... It was rich, it was velvety, it was full, it was a little nutty, you had to kind of dig for it, the nut was there. It was a completely different experience than our our attempt last week. It had a very consistent, like, these are the stages, and you dwelled in those flavors for that period. I have to kind of apologize, because... I was not nice, and it just wasn't the cigar's fault. It was it was easily the strongest finish I've ever experienced in a cigar. This was the best last quarter I've ever had in a cigar. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely within my top three of cigar finishes. Um, 
usually when I smoke a cigar, I, I try to get the most bang for my buck, and I smoke those things down to the very end. Yeah. Um, the one thing will stop me is if I'm just, A, not really enjoying that cigar, uh, which fortunately hasn't been too many of them, but it, it happens from time to time, or the weather. Um, when it gets really cold out, it's like, what's giving up, the cigar or my hand? And usually <laughs> usually my hand is going to lose uh, that battle. Yeah. Uh, but when we were in the garage, uh, both Tim and I were down to the very, very end of that cigar, and we probably couldn't have gotten any more out of that cigar than we possibly could have. And I think that speaks volumes for the cigar, that you're willing to pinch a cigar and rotate it uh, just so you're not burning your fingers as you are smoking that cigar, yep. just just to get one or two more drags out of that cigar. Yeah, so. I, all the way down to the very end, it was, I wanted more. Mm-hmm. I wanted that cigar to have like another half inch. Oh, absolutely. Um, the other th- comment that I made is, you know, after getting through this cigar, it it's one of those ones that you want to go and light up again. I was like, you know what? I yeah. want another cigar. I th- it was so good. Yep. I, it, it definitely leaves you wanting more. Yep. Which is a really good place for a cigar. Yes. That you're not sick of it. That you're just like, ooh, yeah, I need another one of these. That's- yeah. Both you two were. We're having lip burners tonight. Yes. Yeah. In fact, Tim, I think you even burned I, your fingers I, I on leg- that last little drag there. I legitimately had to put it down because it was burning my fingers. I had no more room to hold that cigar. That's a good place to be. Yes. Yeah. It was a very good cigar. I think what impressed me most about it is how it went from being such a mild cigar, which you would expect from Monte Cristo, yeah. then to change and go almost medium, full, full body Towards the end. Yeah, it was um, it was at the very top end of medium full. Like yeah. it was flirting with the idea of being a full full cigar. Yeah, which, which starts to make sense though because when you look at how different cigar companies out there, when you can buy these cigars, they'll always try to label the cigar if it's mild, medium, medium full-bodied or full-bodied. Um, it's always teetering on that line of it. Some, some places will rate it as a medium cigar. Some places rate it as a medium full. Yeah. And it definitely depends, you know, how do you take the cigar? Overall... Probably I would go with a medium just because it is a medium cigar or a mild cigar for so long. Yeah. But that ending is a great way to see if you really want to step in, start crossing into that line to some heavier cigars. Yep. Yeah. This this would be a fantastic like trainer cigar to say, hey, I've had some mediums and I'm I'm interested in the idea of like a medium full or maybe a full, but I don't want to get a medium full or full bodied cigar. This the tail end hits that. So it'll give you a good quarter of a cigar to be like, hey, is this something you're interested in? Because it is firmly in that realm. And you will know in that quarter whether it's something for you or not. Yes. It just so, it feels so weird saying a Monte Cristo cigar is a training cigar. That just, <laughs> I, yeah. I feel it's really hard to say it. And I get where you're coming from. And I, I completely agree. Uh, but boy, that's it does feel a little weird to, to call a ten dollar stick, uh, you know, a training cigar. Yeah, here, try this, see if you like it. No, all right, that's yeah, no big a deal. Two hundred dollar box, call it a trainer cigar. <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily right, but the intent is that it's that last quarter that really shows you what a medium full experience is going to be like. So, moving on to the whiskey, real quick. It is Basil Hayden. Uh, they've been around since like 90 since 92 specifically yeah they were first introduced in 92 all right so not even that new no they're not 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 even that old i mean no it's about 20 years Uh, again the history guys is 1992 correct uh yes that's a really good clarification uh yeah 1992 uh but that was when they were introduced by jim beam because they're part of the beam suntory family all right 
But the actual recipe has been around since 1792. All right, so that's yeah, a little so, more... Uh, shortly after the birthplace of our nation. Yeah, it's the, 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 re- the core recipe that this is based on is an old family recipe, the Haydens. Okay. Like, that's actually just... The, I say, that's a pretty popular name. Yeah. yeah. The Hayden family made this, and that's where Jim Beam picked it up, and they used that. It's a, If not the same, it's fairly similar. It used to be labeled as a, a, an eight-year whiskey, but now it just says aged artfully, so it doesn't have an age guarantee on it any longer. It's probably still aged in the area of four to six years because okay. that's a pretty standard time for most whiskeys. Yep, yep. So I have a question for you, Tim, and I don't know if you have an answer for this. We're going to find out. The amount of time that a whiskey's aged, will that determine how strong of a flavor profile that it has? Uh, that depends. Uh, there are so many styles of whiskey that that's a, that's a hard question to answer straight. Largely, when they age longer, they are able to settle in more of the flavors from whatever they're being aged in. So it will typically allow for a like a more pronounced flavor profile. Sure. Right? So whatever. the barrel matters more. Yeah. Whatever they're aged in, you're going to notice those flavors more strongly. Okay. It doesn't necessarily cause it to be a stronger, like harder hitting whiskey mm-hmm. it's just those flavors become more pronounced as it ages as far as like the actual power of the whiskey they have to be bottled between a certain percentage so it doesn't affect that sure right so it's the the environment that they're aged in is what matters all the time as i was say temperatures and yeah but yep. when you get into the longer aging it typically just means that whatever they're aged in has a stronger impact on the core flavor profile okay because there are so many different whiskeys, like they're not always going to be oakier. They're not always going to be more cherry. You know, that's it, it depends on what they're in. And even know? depending sure. on region, you know, pretty much all whiskeys are aged in oak barrels. That's a pretty common one, yeah. Uh, but even the oak trees from different regions are going to have different flavors in them. You have different water contents. You exactly. Have different, yep, exactly. Yeah, different soil contents. Like if you start to get really picky into it, you could probably maybe notice differences that way. Jack Daniels swears by the water that they bottle with. They're pretty convinced that any other water from any other region would not give you the same pr- uh, flavor profile. And I don't really know. And that's pretty common, actually. Cause yeah. like. Even, Even shitty, beer, your shitty light beer? Yeah, the shitty light beer. Yep. On, uh, right on the side of the thing, it says, you know, we bottle our beer with the best water mm-hmm. in the best brewing state in the U.S. Uh, it's a really common thing among, like, uh, whiskey, like, aficionados, uh, people that are really deep into uh, getting the perfect taste on their whiskey, that they will only use, if they use water in their whiskey, they will only use water bottled from the source like, wow. so that it's the same water that the whiskey was made with. I guess I have a confession to make. Yeah. I cheated, and I did not just buy this Monty by Monte Cristo cigar off, you know, a whim or an idea. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I, it, it came in part of a five-pack sampler that I got at one point in time when I was trying to broaden my horizons with cigars. I smoked it, and I really liked it, so I thought I would yeah. introduce it to you guys. So I kind of had an idea of what this cigar was going to be prior to going into. And I think you and I might have smoked it once or twice before Yeah, I think we've had podcast. it at least once before then. Was this your first time with the whiskey? And if it was, what were your impressions of it? Uh, this was the first time that we mixed it with this whiskey. You know, last week we did the Woodford Reserve, and as was noted, was a terrible pairing. It was not good. Uh, it was <laughs> the worst thing we've ever done to a whiskey and or a cigar. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, there's a reason that we was gave probably it. the worst one. There's sure. a special spot in hell for people who have to drink and smoke those cigars and drink that whiskey at the same time. <laughs> and for those people, I, I 
Yeah. I feel sorry for you. I don't, because you did something heinous to get there. May God have <laughs> mercy on your soul. Uh, it's already passed. You've, <laughs> you've passed that line, buddy. You've lost. But for this mix, yeah, the Basil Hayden and the Monty, it wasn't good. Uh, it was significantly better than the Woodford. And I think that was partly because it's such a light whiskey. It did not have as much, uh, as many intense flavors to kind of interact with things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what it ended up doing was still stripping a lot of the flavors out. It ended up that I take a sip of the whiskey and the only thing I got out of this cigar afterward was a nut and a light leather profile. Mm -hmm. And that was it. But to be fair, that was better than the ash taste that we were getting the week before. So exactly. it, it definitely was an improvement. Yeah, Did you? It is infinitely better than that last pairing, but it is still not a good pairing. And I, I completely agree. And on the flip side of that, when I had the whiskey after having the cigar for a little bit, I didn't really get anything new or interesting out of the whiskey. I got a, it was much sweeter, yep. but it wasn't. It didn't feel nearly as thick as the last whiskey it, that we it did. wasn't the it simple was, syrup that you guys got last week or the straight up burnt sugar uh thankfully no but it was still it was like sugar water but it didn't have the one-to-one ratio okay. but it was, it was very it was still very sweet yeah the the as light as the whiskey is the whiskey lost all of its flavor there was nothing left to pick apart on that whiskey yeah, after. you think you said there was just basically a little bit of burn there from the whiskey yep, it mm-hmm. was water and burn yep and that's a very weird place to be uh it it wasn't good. It leads me to believe that the Monty is a cigar that is best left by itself. That this is a cigar that I can gladly recommend that you don't pair with anything. It it doesn't feel like it plays well with others. Yeah, I would be very comfortable in that assessment as well. Oh, I really would be. But but it was a little better than the previous pairing. Oh, it was infinitely better. <laughs> yes. Like holy cow! But if you really like nut, you know, and and leather, and that's what you want in a cigar. Then I would say that that would be a good pairing for you. Um, yeah, what makes me a little sad about that is the Monte by Monte Cristo has so much more flavors to it that it kind of it just eviscerated that you you lose out on a lot of it. And I think there are different cigars out there that you can get that nut and leather taste without having to combine it with that whiskey. Sure, without having to destroy the cigar Absolutely. or the whiskey to get those nut flavors out of it and leather. I mean, you could just go have a cigar that actually just has a good nut or leather flavor, especially because, you know, the Monte by Monte Cristo is not the cheapest cigar out there. Right, and it's it's by no means the most expensive cigar either, but there are, I, I'm i willing to bet you can find a cheaper cigar to get the same experience and you don't have to spend as much money on the whiskey or the cigar to get what you're looking for. It just There's just better pairings out there yes. where you can get those flavors if that's what you like. Yeah, if you're, like, if you're looking into the Monte to try and get leather and nut, don't. Like, mm-hmm. you can out of this pairing. This is not what Monty is for. Like, no. this Monty, like, there might have been some leather in the background. It it never spoke up, though, until the, the whiskey happened. Just don't go with a different cigar. There mm-hmm. are better cigars that have that, that leather profile. Go with a lighter wrap because the Monty has a fairly dark wrap, and it's got a richer fr- profile for it. It's got that chocolatey or creamier thing. It's not go with something else. Like, just don't do this to these two things. Did you guys hear about Elon Musk? Uh, getting that $20 million fine? I have not. I heard that he had uh, resigned from his position. Yes, I heard that he resigned from his position, and then I kind of stopped reading about Elon Musk because uh, my because I normally get most of my business news from MarketWatch, yep. and then I was paying more attention to the S&P 500 and whether or not I still had a 401k or if it turned into a 301k. <laughs> Good news is it's, it's still a 401k, and it's just a little turbulent right now, but yeah. I kind of stopped paying attention to 
Mr. Musk. Yeah, no, the, the stocks have definitely taken pretty big priority lately. They've been up and down in a pretty big news source. He was fined $20 million for his tweet because uh, he said he was going to buy the company back at $420 a share. Right, make it private again. Yep. Uh, and he said that funding secured. And the SEC was like, hey, that seems like you were trying to short your stock or something. This is some questionable bullshit because you also didn't have the funding secured. That wasn't the truth. Here's a $20 million fine. And then he went right back on Twitter because he's a madman. <laughs> yeah, he was making fun of the SEC. He claimed, somebody was like, how about that tweet that cost you $20 million? How was the like ratio on that one? His response was two words, worth it. <laughs> what a fucking legend. $20 million for a tweet? Worth. <laughs> that man is burning out fast, and it's a shame to see, but holy fuck, is it a delight to watch. <laughs> yes and no, because I mean, it could, he could be one of the greatest minds, and we're just watching it decay because he's he works way too hard, and he doesn't know how to stop, and he doesn't know how to relax, or at yeah, the same time, he just could be... We could have put him on such a high pedestal that he never deserved to be there in the first place. And it's really hard to say which is which. And it's probably a mixture of both of them. I mean, there's been things that came out that said that, like, his employees get burned out because he expects everyone in his companies to work as hard as he does. And mm-hmm. if he can put in 60, 80-hour weeks, why can't everybody else? You yeah, know? yeah, he's pretty yeah. demanding. And it's not even like I think he's so out of touch that it's yep. not even that he's demanding it's just an expectation. It doesn't cross his mind that other people wouldn't want to work as much as he does. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, that's me thinking like, I, you know, there's no evidence for that, but like everything that I've seen of him, like that's what it implies to me is that he just doesn't even, it's, oh, I work this hard. That's just normal, right? Everybody does this. It's fine. No, that's how it came across to me too. You know, it, he's just got that, he's got that high work ethic and he wants to, he wants to work a lot and I can do it. Doesn't everybody want to do it? No. No, I do not. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I'm not interested in a 100-hour work week. I don't want to put in a 40-hour work week. No. Fucking real talk. I'm mad when I put in 10 hours of overtime a week. So I'm, that's that's 50. That's that's nothing. Honestly, I don't know the last time I put in a 40-hour work week. Well, that's because you're lazy as fuck. Yeah. So gaming news, Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, shit, that's out. right. That did just drop. Yes. Um, I don't have enough time, so I'm, I have not picked it up. <laughs> going to be honest. Horse um, testicles, boys. Horse testicles. <sighs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so, <laughs> let me fill you in. Good Lord. Uh, you had to ask. I did. You, I did. So, Red Dead, you, Red you Dead Redemption is a Western-focused, like, it's Grand Theft Auto, but in the Cowboy West. Yeah, I've, I've watched yeah, you, you, but you play the I don't first have one. either of them. But you only have one character, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah as far you, as I know. It's yeah, just yeah I don't, I don't think you play four people like you did in Grand yeah. Theft Auto Five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the original Grand Theft Autos. Right. Right. Uh, big, sprawling, open world, do shit, right? Huge open world. So in before it got released, there was a bunch of like news because they kept displaying things to like build I a, do know where you're getting at now. Yeah. Oh. And somebody had to code horse testicles that shrank in cold weather. A cold water, wasn't it? Oh, nope. Just being cold. Yep. Because there's, uh, because if you go you, up north, you, you hit all the snow. Yep. And the horse test. So somebody's job for 40 hours a week until that bitch got solved was to code horse testicles that shrank in cold weather. I'm so proud of America. <laughs> <laughs> and this is. detail out. Uh, it's a pretty game. It's a pretty, pretty game. Yes. I watched some amazing. gameplay. They have like snow deformation mm-hmm. and it's really well done. 
Uh, they even applied it to like the sand on beaches. It's uh, I watched somebody like stumble their horse and the horse like fell backwards and on its side mm-hmm. and it left a horse shape imprint in the sand. It was very wow. cool. Yeah. Yep. It's a very pretty game. So <clears throat> it will be very interesting to see um, how many people, because they have not released the online component to that game yet. No? No, not yet. But it'll be interesting to see when they do how much traffic is going to go and flow away from Grand Theft Auto V to Red Dead Redemption. Because it's two completely different games, but in the same time, it's not. Yeah, I mean, they're clones of one another, just very different styles. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to get automatic machine guns and stuff. You're not going to get Lamborghini. How, how much fun would that be to ride around with an automatic machine gun on horseback? Uh, yeah, no, there are going to be mods. That oh, yeah. Shit's they've, happening. they've already released cheat codes for that. Yeah, so, I mean, well, in, info ammo, but stuff like that. Like, but. there are going to be mods. There's going to be a Lamborghini oh, yeah. dropped into that world at some point, and it's going to be fucking amazing. I can't wait. Actually, what I really want to see, I want to see the Batmobile. I want to see the Tumblr. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the, the Tumblr, because that's a fucking all-terrain vehicle. Yep. Let's go, boys. Or or just take a uh, DeLorean and just go back to the future. Because <laughs> they could do that. And then you have your, your build from Grand Theft Auto V yep. in a DeLorean for Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. I would love that. That'd be yeah, fucking that'd be great. I wonder, if there's a, I wonder if they've hidden an Easter egg about a DeLorean in there somewhere. I hope so. That would be really fucking cool. Because I imagine we'll be finding Easter eggs in that game for four or five years. Oh, absolutely. Like, it's a big world. I mean, look at what happened in Grand Theft Auto V. There's that whole uh, alien Mm -hmm. uh, thing, and that took, like, fucking three years, and I'm not sure they still have an answer for it yet. Yeah, and a ghost, too. Yeah, there's also that weird ghost thing that shows up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and the developers won't answer it. They've prodded them in the right direction a couple times to, like, here you guys go. You've been floundering around for six months without getting anywhere. Here's a hint. <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. but they just won't answer it, and it's it's really cool to see. I've done some dives on Reddit for that, and it's... Uh, that's the way it should woo. be. Yeah. If you're going to create an Easter egg, make people work for it, make people dig for it. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if you do that, you know, they're spending the time in the game. Mm-hmm. The more time they're playing your game, the less time they're playing other people's games. Especially when you start to release an online component, because you know DLC and... Uh, uh, paid transactions are going to happen where you can like buy money and stuff or yep. whatever yep. to buy upgrades and things. Yep. Oh, absolutely. So do you want to shift to the uh, political spectrum? I, was, I have Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the United States. Go. I was actually just going to bring up one myself. Uh, but what were you thinking? Which, which uh, you know what? Let's. Oh, I don't know. Assassination of a, of a news writer. That's, that's kind of important. I mean. Our problem there is that we've continued to maintain allies with that fucking nation. Yes, for we decades, need to for oil, and we should not be yes. like. And we were the, the more the moral conundrum there is. It's not even a conundrum. It's like why, if it was any other country out there that did not have oil that supplied us, there would be no way that we would ally ourselves with them. We are now the largest producer of oil in the world. Is that not enough? Apparently not. Like we could step. I maybe I'm wrong. I feel like we could step away from this fucking relationship. We should. Because what the fuck? How how can we just... And this isn't a Trump thing, right? No, this absolutely is, this not. Is, for decades, we have fucking allied with this nation. I mean, the fact that Trump is still sitting back and going, well... Everybody's he, done it. It's, he told me that he didn't do this. But it's, it's not Trump. It's every single president. So Trump's reaction has been shitty, but other presidents would be like, well, we condemn them for this. Also, we're still allies. Mm-hmm. Well, that's... 
And so Trump's like rhetoric behind it is bad, but he's not doing anything different than our last two, three presidents have done. It's hard the, for me to, to say much just because I haven't really got into politics until, you know, recently, really. Yeah, no. So, I mean, like for decades, I guess I didn't realize that that has it's been happening. George the Senior, I think, yeah. is when we started that shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's been but fucking we, we, years. Right. And which was more needed for stability was hopefully to try and stabilize the oil crisis that was going to be going on with the Middle East with Saddam Hussein. And that's why we kind of got in bed with them. Yep. And from there, it's just snowballed. It's like, well, okay, with Clinton, yep, we'll put up with it. Then we had Bush again. It's like, all right, yeah, we're putting up with it. We don't like it, but yeah, we're putting up with it. Um, Obama. Uh, same thing. In fact, the uh, the right crucified him because he was bowing because that's it was like shaking hands. It's like, yep, oh, how sure. do you really have to bow that low? And you're just a, an apologetic president. But you know, we continue to do what we're doing. Yeah, this uh, then this isn't a left right thing. We no, just, then a, then a, a few weeks ago, Trump actually had a giant poster board, and that's the best way I can describe it, of saying how much money Saudi Arabia is giving us for weapons for a war oh, yeah. that's killing innocent civilians. Yep. Yeah, and you have Trump saying, "Oh yeah, you guys are so rich. This is like a drop in the bucket to you." It's like say that to all the families that are just going to get decimated now. Yep. Yeah, it's such a shitty place to be, and we don't have any reason to still fucking be in it. It. We need to pull out. We need to do something. It's never pull out until the job is done. Unfortunately, like we stick around well after the job is done. That's been our problem since World War II. Is we have never defined when the job is done. I mean, the job is pretty much done. Yeah. At this point, we're just. We're just supplying shit. For we've done it as a nation. We've done a very poor job of setting goals and actually setting. This is our goal. When we're done, we know we're done because of X. We've never point, defined we're, X since we're just World contributing War II. to something that is destroying something else, and not for even a good cause. So, Tim, what was your story? Hopefully, it's a little more lighthearted. Oh, fuck than no, assassination. It's, uh, it's kind of lighthearted. It's. <laughs> uh, I think it was Lou Dobbs. Oh, my bad. You know what I'm talking about. I don't remember what he said, but he said no. He said something, and it said the world on fire again again you have an old news news old hack guy, yeah. saying something this is it was almost as bad as megan kelly i don't even know what she did uh she made the comment of blackface um and it was a question of when did blackface become unacceptable and what about for halloween is it unacceptable to be in blackface for halloween yes what about whiteface for black people if it's part of a costume it's still inappropriate. Yes, it, that that is the correct answer. That's it like is. dressing up as a Mexican for Halloween too, and unfortunately, I did that as a child. Uh, but I look back on it, and you don't dress up as other people's cultures for Halloween. Uh, I think if you want to dress up in other people's cultures, that's absolutely fine. But you should never do anything to change the pigment of your skin. C- culture is one thing; caricature is another. Yes, and a poncho with a sombrero is a caricature that's not a culture like if i went dressed up in uh the skull candy or the yeah the candy skull like face paint for like dia de, dia de los muertos like okay cool that's a cultural thing right everyone does it exactly i'm not i'm not with a big fake mustache and a sombrero like that's a character and that's racism that's a problem mm-hmm. even if you don't as a mexican because they can be fairly light-skinned in general uh, you know, as a white guy, like even just doing that, I don't have to change the color. That's a caricature and it's racist. Blackface inherently turns them into a caricature because they got the big lips and the big eyes and 
what are you doing? You know, so like culture is one thing. It's when you get into the realm of being a caricature that I personally don't believe that cultural appropriation is a thing. Cultures are meant to be shared. You have a culture. You're proud of it. As long as I'm not making fun of it, if I'm doing it right, if I'm appreciating it, that's culture. Yep. We're res- sharing respect it. it. Yeah. It's when you respect come, it and share it. Exactly. It's when you come in as a racist, even I guess I shouldn't say that because you don't have to be a racist to do racist things. Like you can just do racist things like blackface without actively hating black people. Don't just just do not. It's a real easy thing to not put on that makeup. Yeah, <laughs> like pick a mm-hmm. different costume. Please, I'm begging hard. you. Yeah. Go as Quail Man for Christ's sake. It's right? not that hard. Did you say go as Quail Man? Yes, yeah, he did. Because that's what I'm going as next year. Oh, I hope you don't run into Dick Cheney. <laughs> He's gonna shoot his buddy anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's He's gonna miss fair. anyways. Or or as you go, are you going as like the former VP? No, 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 no. No? Okay. Actual quail man. Green sweater, belt on the head. Okay. Khaki shorts with tidy whiteies over the top. How would our parent go with our whiskey and cigar? Should we give some ratings? <laughs> Maybe we get some positive news? I don't know that I've ever heard a smoother segue. Thank you, John. Oh, I, I try because, <laughs> you know, I, I used to watch the news every day and it just makes me sad now. So I no longer watch it. I read it and it makes me less sad because I can scroll through it faster. Yep. So I, uh, uh, as far as the pairing's concerned, I would honestly give that pairing the with the the Basil Hayden and the uh, Monte Cristo by Monte Monte by Monte Cristo Monte by Monte Cristo. I had it backwards. Uh, I would give it probably a four. Honestly, it was much much better than last week's, but it's still they fought each other. Yep. And it's not even an. I can't give it a five even because okay. they, they were together. They were worse than they are separately. Mm-hmm. And that tells me it's just not a good pairing. This is a, they detract from one another. You're, you're getting less than a five. Uh, but it wasn't, a, it can't be a zero. It's significantly better because there were still flavors. And there was even some unique things. Like yep. there was a positive in there because I did notice after one of the drags, after a sip and a drag, I got nut immediately and it melded over into a stronger leather taste. And that was good. Yep. But that was the one positive experience. And so that's, I can't recommend these as a pairing. Yep, I would completely agree with your rating. Um, I was even thinking of giving it possibil- uh, the possibility of a three uh, just because it took more flavors away than it provided and it didn't really bring in anything new that wasn't already there if you knew to look for that flavor. Yeah, that's so, pretty fair. So I would I would give it a solid three. So sticking along with our positive news and reviews, what about that cigar, Tim? Oh, was this redemption or yeah. was this a never smoke again? No, God, no. This is way better. Uh, I honestly have to give this cigar a nine. Wow. The, and that, that is the finish. I think overall the cigar is probably an eight okay. because it's really well constructed. The flavors are strong and persistent and they develop into one another really nicely. The transition over into the medium full is a very smooth thing. It doesn't kind of just like hit you in the face. It takes about a quarter to kind of really ramp up. And it doesn't lose all of its flavor. It does turn into like strictly a more woodsy kind of smoke, but it still has that going for it. So like overall, for most of the cigar, it's an eight. But that end was so damn strong for me. The flavors were so good. The smoke was so heavy with it still being a very smooth smoke. It didn't didn't get any harsher, even getting as full bodied as it did. I I just I have to give it a nine. It was it was an amazing cigar. I would glad I wanted to smoke a second one just right afterwards. 
Yeah, for me, I'd, I'd give it a solid eight, eight and a half uh, for pretty much the exact same reasons that you did. Um, one thing that we actually did not touch on at all in this podcast was the consistency of the burn of that cigar. Um, neither one of us had any major issues with the cigar in terms of just smoking it. It was a very rich smoke the entire time. You got a ton of smoke out of the cigar. Um, it was a smooth, easy draw, yep. and the burn was perfect the entire time. We had no issues of tunneling or canoeing or anything like that. So yeah. I, I did notice partway through that I ended up with a crack near the burn line, uh, and it, it wasn't crazy. It was maybe an eighth of an inch long. Uh, and that's something to keep an eye out for because as it burns down, if you're going to develop a crack, typically typically it's going to be near the burn line. Uh, you keep an eye on it. I burned right past it. I It didn't develop any further, you know. Uh, so it's something to be mindful of, but don't panic about it because there's a distinct possibility if it's a well-made cigar that you're just going to burn past those weird cracks in that. that. I was going to say you said that was just because you were by a vein right there. Yeah, yeah, that was mm-hmm. like a vein popped but up. It, it just burned right through it then. Yeah, yep, exactly. So it do keep that in mind. It, those things can happen. Don't panic about them because there's a strong chance that your cigar is just going to take care of itself. Yep. Uh, so I would, again, solid eight, eight and a half for the overall uh, cigar. In terms of the whiskey, um, I'm not as big on whiskey, Tim, as you are, but I would say that as a sipping whiskey and the whiskey alone – maybe a four, maybe a five. There wasn't just, there wasn't a whole lot of flavor for me to to pull out of. And I've had other whiskeys by themselves that would, are going to bring more to the table than this one would. Yep. Uh, I agree with you. I'm going to lead with a five. I think it's an incredibly average because it's a good quality. It's just the flavors aren't there. So it's tough to. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was extremely smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the burn wasn't very, harsh it was a it was a good whiskey burn but yeah in terms of flavor just it didn't do anything for me yeah it was it's an incredibly light bodied and that's what you're into this is the one to go for but for me personally i prefer there to be uh more to dig into uh so that it came out as a five uh it's not bad it's not great it's just a very it's a very average whiskey as far as i'm concerned all right all right uh how about the pairing uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, we we kind of went over that the the pairing as a whole. I've got to give it a four. It just like again, they the lightness helped it not destroy the cigar, but the it didn't add anything, and it became a very weird sugary whiskey. So yeah, yep. it, the the cigar I'm going to give a nine. I think that's something I could suggest to anybody. The whiskey is a five. I do believe that the whiskey would be a phenomenal cocktail whiskey. You put it into old fashions. You mix it maybe even with ginger ale. I'm not saying like Coke or anything like that, you know, um, but... We in, don't support drugs here. Right, exactly. Uh, Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, on a, like an old-fashioned or in a Manhattan, I think this would be a great whiskey because it is kind of lighter. It won't overpower the thing, and I think it will bring just enough to be a unique experience. Uh, but as a straight sipping whiskey, it's average at best. All right. And then the pairing, like I said, is probably a four. It's yep. they they I think I, I think I gave it a three. Yeah. Yep. How about you over there? You know, you only had the one beer uh style today. Uh you had the the shitty light beer. What would you uh what would you rate that bad boy as? Comparing it to your typical light beer, like yeah. it's it's pretty average. You know, I I I wanna give it like a five, but because it's okay. it's average. But I would probably actually rate it slightly higher 
so maybe like a six because okay. like it was good. It's it's your light, standard light beer, but I don't think it had any of like the downsides that a lot of light beers do. Mm-hmm. Like it, there was no skunkiness or anything to it. Like it was just it's a solid light beer. It's a well crafted. It's a yeah. It's a well crafted light beer. So I, I would probably actually have to give it you know higher than a five because it's it's better than average. Yeah. So I'd probably I'd probably have to go with like a six six and a half. Cause it it was it was good. Yeah, I, I liked it. Good, good. That's something you could you could recommend to somebody that's looking for a light beer. If that's what you like, you like light beers. Yeah, you can't. I don't think you could be mad about it. Okay. In the slightest bit, like everything I thought was good. Just not a lot of flavor, but that's a light beer thing. Yeah, welcome to light beers. Yeah. So Tim, if someone thinks that we completely screwed up with our opinions or our rating system, or they want to offer some suggestion to us, where could people find us and how can they get a hold of us? Once again, if you think we're wrong, you can go fuck yourself. But if you want to get a hold of us, you can always reach us at Twitter at Leaf and Barrel Pot, or Leaf Barrel Pot. Uh, you can reach us at on e- or through email at leafandbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Patreon, on Facebook. On Facebook and on Instagram at Leaf and Barrel Podcast. I can't promise that we'll respond to everything, but I can promise that we'll read it all. We are always looking for suggestions and tips, uh, requests, uh, clarifications. If we made a mistake, don't hesitate to let us know. We can always enter, we can always update, you know, where we know we make mistakes for human. Yeah, if you have any questions about like the difference between certain things, let us know. We'd love to answer them. We're always looking for something to talk about. Yeah. Uh, I do want to give a, a quick shout out to Arn Hughesby. He's the man that does our intro and outro music. It's the Warm Duck Shuffle. Uh, go go find that man. Uh, he does good work and he deserves your money. Uh, my name is Scott. My name is John. And my name is Tim. And thank you for listening to Leaf and Barrel Podcast. <laughs>